0: Go Colorado! Welcome back. It's the Hockey Show, Colorado's biggest and best live hockey radio show. Being brought in by La Bamba there, Ryan. We'll get into that, the reason why, in a second. But we're heading to the phones here. Heading to Edmonton. Mark Lazarus of The Athletic joins us. Just finished up Morning Skate not too long ago. Mark, thanks so much for hanging out with us. I saw your tweet last night about the Edmonton night sky and uh, it didn't really hit twilight till almost 11 o'clock so i guess it, how beautiful is edmonton in june
1: you know i've been here i don't know, like 12 15 times over the last 10 years i always like this city but i've never been here when there's not been snow on the ground this is a lot better
0: i, I bet i wonder i wonder if winnipeg is the same just curious i was,
1: you know, I, I was once here it was uh, minus 50 i think it was celsius oh. it, it, it was so cold that the uh, fahrenheit and celsius had merged into the same number. And I forgot to pack gloves on that trip. And I had a 10-minute walk back to my hotel, and I thought I was going to die.
0: Well, thank goodness you're there in June. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, Mark's been covering uh, the Avs-Oilers series, so we've been uh, hanging out with him for the last couple games. And I guess let's just get into your overall opinion of this series. I mean, we knew it was going to be a high-flying series. We were promised a lot of goals. It was delivered. But I guess from an entertainment standpoint, do you think this series has delivered? Or are you a little bit underwhelmed by Edmonton's inability to, to, I guess, make it super competitive so far?
1: Well, obviously, Game 2 wasn't quite as uh, as, as, entertaining as Game 1 was. Game 1 certainly lived up to the hype of the uh, no-defense, all-offense hype that we all kind of wanted to mm-hmm. see. Maybe, mm-hmm. I'm sure, Jared Bednar and Jay Woodcroft didn't want to see that, but it was fun for the rest of us. You know, it's always interesting when you come into a series like this. Like, I know the Avs and I know the Oilers, but I don't, I'm not, like, you know, intimately uh, aware of all their little, you know, uh intricacies and all that. So when you come in and you parachute on a series like this, the things that stand out to you I it's probably things that you guys take for granted seeing the Avalanche every day. And like you know they're fast. But when you actually see them in person against the other fastest team in the league, it's kind of mind blowing to watch Caleb McCarr and Nathan McKinnon and, you know, Devon Taves and and Bowen Byron to watch them go. It's like, oh, you know, I've been watching the Blackhawks the last five years. This is this is what hockey used to look like for me. You know, this incredibly fast and deep and talented team. And uh, after watching a lot of uh, grinded out AHL style hockey for the last few years, it's really nice to see fun hockey again.
2: I definitely feel that way. Maybe we take a little bit of for granted Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr because they're fast. You, you see McKinnon score on that breakaway just going right through Darnell Nurse oh, yeah. uh, on that goal. But on the other hand, I do appreciate getting to see Connor McDavid go to work in person. He's a guy like Sidney Crosby, you know, Patrick Kane maybe a couple years ago that you really enjoy getting to see live. But, Mark, you mentioned the Blackhawks, and you you covered Stanley Cup winning Blackhawks hockey as well as what we've seen recently. Just in your mind, you know, how do the – what both of these teams bring, but maybe more so the avalanche thus far, how do they compare to, to a Stanley Cup champion Blackhawks team that you've covered?
1: Well, I mean, once you get to this stage of the playoffs, everybody's got some superstars, right? Everybody's got a great first line. Just about everybody's got a great second line. It's that depth that really separates a team. Like the Blackhawks, back in 2013, their fourth line was uh, Marcus Kruger, Dave Boland, and Michael Froehlitz. That could have been like a second line on some teams that year. So that's what really separates you. And the Avalanche have the depth that the Oilers simply just don't have. The Oilers are, you know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Evander Kane, and that's largely it. But, you know, the the Avalanche, have, you know, when you got J.T. Comfer and, uh, you know, Logan O'Connor and Andrew Cogliano contributing, it makes such a difference. Uh, they're playing good, solid defense. They can kick on some tough matchups. They're chipping in with goals, and then when you got a top three of your defense of uh, Macar and Caves and you got you know Byron back there, uh, you know with Gerard when he's healthy. I mean, it's just the Avalanche are built like a Stanley Cup team, and that's why they were a trendy pick to win the Cup this year. That's why they won however many games they won. Is they are built to win. Now, they, what they don't have is that experience yet, right? They haven't been tested, and you know every team has to go through that. The Blackhawks did that in 2009 when they lost to the Red Wings in the conference final. They came back, and then they won three Cups in six years, and they had this indomitable will. This un- they were just unkillable. You know, no matter what the situation was, they had a killer instinct when they were up, and they had a big F you to everybody when they were down. They were going to come back and win. Avalanche haven't reached that yet. You kind of have to win before you get to that point. But this team is built in a way where if they do win the Cup this year, you'll see them like Tampa is right now. where you know, Tampa's not. They're down 2-0. They're probably not sweating much about it, right? Because they know what they can do. And that's the that's the level the Avalanche have to get to. That's the next step is winning a championship and realizing that you can do just about anything.
2: And Mark, you mentioned the the depth differences and specifically on defense. I wanted to get your thoughts on just Edmonton's defensive situation. Darnell Nurse obviously not a hundred percent. I mean the the third pairing of Tyson, Tyson Barry and Brett Kulak I think are getting pretty overwhelmed. You know, does Edmonton have the 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 six defensemen or seven if they choose to do so? defenseman that can contain this Avalanche team?
1: Well, even when they're healthy, I mean, the Oilers' defense is middling, right? It's not like it's a great defense. And with Darnell Nurse clearly hurting, uh, I mean, he's just getting blown by left and right. You mentioned that McKinnon goal in game one where he just exploded right by him and Nurse just stood there like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Um, I, I don't think the Oilers have... like, it's, Look, it- there's no way the Oilers are winning four out of the next five games against this Avalanche. Let's face it. The question is whether they can win a game or two and extend the series, just make it competitive because they can't. They can't contain what the Avalanche have. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Darcy Kemper and Pavel François. I've been just calling him Frankie. It's easier. Yeah, it is. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I honestly don't think it really matters. I mean, the goaltending would have to be so horrific for Colorado to lose with Mike Smith in the other end, and that defense, it's just not good enough. They, the, 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 you know, Connor McDavid is the greatest player in the history of hockey. He has carried this team this far. It's amazing to watch. I don't think he can do that against a team as good as Colorado. He can, you know, in the Pacific Division, maybe he can pull that off. But not against Colorado. It wouldn't have worked against St. Louis either.
0: This is the Hockey Show with JJ and Ryan. We're talking to Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. You brought up Pavel Francouz there. We'll stick with Frankie for now. I guess we've been watching him emerge for the last three, four years. He's he's always come in and had a great showing. Never really been able to keep his grip on that starter position. But I guess what's the national perception of this guy? How much under the, I I guess, on everybody's radar has he been? Especially now that he's emerged in these playoffs.
1: I mean, up until two days ago, there probably wasn't a national perspective on him, right? Right. you know, everyone in, 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 in their own city and on their own fan base is obsessed with the backup goalie. It's like, <laughs> it's like the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy in town, right? I, that, but Pavel Francois, you know, at least half of the fans in, the, in, in, in North America couldn't name the Colorado backup goalie until two nights ago, let's be honest. That's just the way it is. But, um, you know, in the last couple of days talking to people around the league that they're, they're pretty high on him. Um, actually, I had a, I was talking to a scout for a story today, and he said he's, he really likes the third string goalie, um, whose name is escaping the Finish guy,
0: Juuso Sainen. Sainen, uh, yes.
1: yes. like he said said that he's one of his favorite goalie prospects in the league. So there's a lot to like there too. And obviously, Franzoes was able to come in in a, in a difficult situation against a high powered team and shut him out. So there's there's some skill there. And it's not like Darcy Kemper was lighting the world on fire at the end of that St. Louis series. He was clearly struggling. Uh, he gave up and he gave up six goals, a whole bunch of goals in game one here. So, whether it's the eye, whether it's some other injury he's dealing with, he doesn't seem like he's at 100%. So, a healthy Francoz sure seems to be a better option right now than Kemper, who, you know, wasn't at his best through these playoffs.
2: Mark, you mentioned Connor McDavid. We know he he put this team on his back and got them to where they are. He's put this team on his back during the postseason. And a lot was made about McDavid and McKinnon going head to head in this series, right? But I think what we're seeing emerge is the, the Kale McCarr, Connor McDavid battle going on offense versus defense here just what are your thoughts on on who's winning this kind of battle and and how the avalanche have done a good job of containing a guy like McDavid
1: well yeah i mean McDavid was was largely invisible in game 2 and that that never happens in a Connor McDavid game and you had that play and i think it was the first shift of the game where you know McCarr went stride for stride with him going backwards and then just calmly one-handed the puck off with McDavid's stick that doesn't happen very often but it's not really McDavid versus McCar right i mean it's it's it's, it's always a five-man checking unit. And what the the Avalanche did really well in game two was, you know, they, uh, Jared Bender had the matchup advantage. He had the last change. He was able to get his top guys out against their top guys. And they did a good job shutting them down. The question is, can they do that in Edmonton when Jay Woodcroft has the last change? You know that he's going to try to get McDavid more favorable matchups. Uh, he put Zach Cassian on his line in morning skate today. We'll see if that sticks. But maybe, you know, Evander Keynes keeps talking about he wants to get – they want to be more physical. They want to get in the – uh The Avalanche's face, they tried that in game two, didn't make any difference. But when you have the last change and you get the matchups you want, maybe that'll make a difference. But, you know, McDavid had three points in game one, but it's not like he took over that game. Um, So you have to like what the Avalanche have done as a team, as a a five-man unit against him so far. I want
0: to get into those adjustments and exactly what you uh, brought up there with Zach Cassian getting some first-line minutes, especially, you know, he wasn't heavily utilized in either of the first two games. Your thoughts on, I guess, the aside from just the physical presence, is there any more motivation on putting Zach Cassian up there with Kane and McDavid? And what other adjustments are you seeing Edmonton throw at us for tonight from today's morning skate?
1: Well, I mean, it's hard to tell because Woodcroft wouldn't even commit to those being the lines. I mm-hmm. mean, you certainly assume that's going to be the lines, but, you know, there's a little subterfuge with the way things looked at the morning skate in the last game, too. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Cassian brings him more of an edge. Obviously, he's had success with McDavid in the past. But I think, you know, when you're down 2-0 in a series and you absolutely have to win this game, the leash is going to be short. If that line doesn't click in the first, you know, it might last a period. It might last five shits. You might see Dreisaitl and McDavid reunited. Whatever it's going to take, Woodcroft is going to push every button he has to try to make something happen because they obviously can't afford to lose this game. This is as desperate as desperate gets. So um, I think all options are on the table at this point. I think you're going to see a lot of different. Uh, I don't, I, you know, Woodcroft has not been shy about changing things up so far in this series because if it's not working, he can't just stick with it. That's, that's madness.
2: Last one for me, Mark. Uh, I know you mentioned it would probably take a Herculean effort here to overcome the avalanche in this series, but are you a bold enough man to make a prediction for this game tonight?
1: Oh, man. I don't know. It's, it, I I I, I'm st- I I have a hard time seeing the Avalanche lose, but it's hockey. Hockey is dumb. Anything can happen in hockey. I will say the Avalanche will win this one four to three. That sounds like a some kind of a a halfway between the the, the insanity of Game One and the calmness of Game Two.
2: I dig it. Uh, so we saw a story from Ryan Clark today uh, about Labamba. I'm just curious, your thoughts? Have you had a chance to read it and and take in kind of the? Uh, I guess it's like this year's version of Play Gloria for Edmonton.
1: Right, yeah, no, it's a beautiful story. Ryan does such a good job with stuff like that. But uh, no, it, it's always nice when you have like a a rallying cry and a and a, and, a, and a a good story behind it. As opposed to just like you know, when the Blackhawks pick Chelsea Dagger, however many years ago, it was just yeah, this song has a lot of doo 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 in it that you can sing. <laughs> That'll it's be nice stuck in my thing. head
2: the rest of the day.
1: Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome to my world, buddy. <laughs> it's uh, you could have you know, it's it's nice when there's a nice story behind it and it has some meaning and the players are you know are involved in that and and it, 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 it's it's a really nice story and you know. Will we hear it again this series? I don't know, but it's uh, you know Edmonton wants to.
0: Mark, thanks so much for being so generous with your time. Enjoy the game tonight out in Edmonton, and uh, honestly, we hope we don't see you for Game 5, but uh, <laughs> maybe we hope we see you in the final here.
1: All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks so Mark.
0: Much. There you have it, Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. He just, uh, I mean, being in the press conferences with him the last couple games, he's a media member that absolutely understands the X's and O's of the game, which is so refreshing especially seeing all these newbies that come in that we, we've we gotten into. I love hearing his questions and the way he thinks the game and the way he processes it. So nice get. Good job, uh, booking department.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I like this Labamba story. If you have an opportunity to check it out on The Athletic, our friend of the show, Ryan Clark, uh, wrote a fantastic story about the, the significance of Joey Moss to the organization and what his loss has meant and, and what his connection to the Oilers has done for the community and how much he loved that song and they've kind of, you know, brought it in and it's not the original, obviously Richie Valance did the original. Um, and the version they're playing is the Los Lobos version from the, the movie. And so Ryan Clark gets into that with the band a little bit, uh, and talks about how that came about and what they think of it. And for me, it's kind of, it touches a personal note because my uncle was friends with the band and, uh, uh, Dave Hidalgo in particular. And I, I'm sure I've seen Los Lobos some, you know, my dad listens to Los Lobos and we lost my uncle in March, but I think he would have thought this was awesome. I don't, wow. I don't think he would, JJ just checking his phone in the middle of this heartwarming moment for me. I, I think, I don't think he would have liked that. It wasn't the avalanche cause he'd go to avalanche games to be an avalanche fan. But, uh, I think he would have thought it's cool. This kind of, uh, increased attention that Los Lobos is getting, you know, as kind of an an unknown band in a younger crowd kind of world. But I was checking because I know Los
0: Lobos, but I had to double check that it was the right song because I bumped into a song of theirs about two years ago that I'm absolutely in love with, and I play it every Christmas time. It's called Mamacita, (laughs) and it says, Mamacita. Donde Santa Claus? It's a perfect holiday song, so don't forget it next time uh I'll Christmas rolls Christmas around. Lift. It's a good one. Um, but that'll do it for this portion. Thanks again to Mark Lazarus for hanging out with us. Uh we'll be right back for the mixed bag skate and wrap up today's episode of the hockey show. JJ Juarez, Ryan Bolding, Coach Bailey behind the glass, right here on Mile High Sports. We'll be right back.